The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Pronunciation. You all responded to the bell very well. <laughs> Coming right back. <laughs> Usually it takes longer. <laughs> That's nice. And, um, and part of the the art of having these Dharma practice days is uh, working around the blowers. <laughs> and uh, I was going to do a very short little guided meditation, but I think maybe we won't do it while he's blowing. And, um, or, maybe, or maybe we will. Maybe it's perfect to have it. Yeah. Uh, that's perfect. So I just I want to do a little teeny little gu- guided reflection, um, see what comes up for you in preparation for what we'll do next. And uh, yeah, I think the the blower will help. So close your eyes. And and then just take uh, for three or four minutes, uh, settle in to your body and to your breath. perhaps letting go of some of your thoughts so you can better be here in your body, your body breathing. So one step to the practice of renunciation is to understand the disadvantages of clinging. It's possible to be, understand the disadvantages of what we cling to, the activity we're doing or the things we're holding on to. 
It's also possible to understand the disadvantages of clinging itself, the way the mind or the heart grips to things, holds on. And what do you know about the disadvantages of clinging? You might spend a few moments reflecting on what you've learned or what you know about the discomfort of clinging, the disadvantages of it, the limitations that might come with clinging, grasping, holding on tight, Have you ever clung to something so strongly that you could feel your clinging in your body? Maybe your jaws were clenched or there's lots of energy in your hands that wanted to reach out and hold or push away or a tightening in the mind, in the jaw. What are some of the unpleasant sensations that can come with strong clinging? independent of what you're clinging to, what unpleasant consequences might clinging have on how you're thinking?
And then to maybe summarize all this, what do you think now might be the, some of the biggest disadvantages of clinging? Of the heart, mind, grasping, clutching, compulsively insisting on something. So that there can be wisdom connected to renunciation, it's helpful to know the disadvantages of clinging, whatever it is we're holding on to that we're going to renounce, we're going to let go of. Because we don't want to renounce just that as a kind of empty policy, a policy that has no understanding behind it. We want to have a real understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing it in such a way that it has integrity, has value, has something that our heart is behind doing. It's not a duty to renounce. And so one way to get to that understanding is to understand some of the disadvantages of clinging. Because if we understand all the different disadvantages, uh, both practically in the world and the effect, but also what it feels like, the unpleasant experience, what it's like, um, the mind and body, um, it makes it easier to, to want to say, oh yeah, I, this is not helpful for me. That, that, I, don't, I don't want to touch this. So um, I thought it'd be lovely to have popcorn style, a list of some of the things, some of the disadvantages of clinging, some of the ways which is, is unpleasant for the body and mind. So some people are just jumping right in. <laughs> Great, <laughs> ready. To, uh, yeah. And uh, turn, the, turn it on. Also, maybe uh, say your name before you speak. Okay. My name is Amy. And I, first of all, I was really fortunate that I got to come here at all. There was a lot of things happening that made it difficult to get here. And I was clean.
very much to getting here on time or as close to on time as I could. And so that caused suffering and anxiety in that I was driving very crazily or dangerously. And that, that was a definite disadvantage of clinging. And while I was in um, the meditation, what came to me when you said, what are the disadvantages of clinging? I came to the three S's, suffering, selfishness, and <laughs> suffering, selfishness, and I can't think of the third, but those three came to me, and it was just really clear. Uh -huh. I wish I could remember the third one, but... Well, maybe you will later. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So... So it's exhausting to spend the whole day clinging to something. It's exhausting. Great. So Anne? Hi. <coughs> uh, my name is Anne. Um, the two things came up for me very strongly. Uh, one is that if you're clinging to something, you miss out on a lot of other things. Mm. Uh, this came clear to me when I was living in Japan. I lived in Kyoto and I taught English, but I also went to villages where they made handmade paper the way they had for hundreds of years and learned paper making and I also went to a Zen temple and did sessions. So one day in the class in Osaka in a clothing company one of the students said to me you don't care about people like us. You don't care about us. And like if you're a teacher of any kind, I was teaching English, that's a terrible thing for someone to say to you. I mean it's very shocking you know, to have for a student to say that to you. And I said what do you mean I don't care about you? She said he said, you care about these Zen masters and you care about these people in the villages doing handicrafts? We're regular people living in Osaka working in a company and you don't really care about us. <laughs> and it was like a real eye-opener for me. Like, because I, the thing, I think the things I was interested in were good, but I actually made a living spending time with these people yeah. and I had responsibilities as a teacher. And it was like a boing, you know? <laughs> what am I doing, you know? Nice. Uh, the other thing I think is if I'm clinging, like if I really want someone's approval or I really want to have a deeper connection with someone, often a high-status person that I'm interested in getting approval from, um, I'm giving away part of myself. Mm. Instead of saying, I want to do something, it's great being with this person, it really encourages me, it's kind of like, I've got to get it from so-and-so. It's not so much my, what's my starting point? What am I doing? What's the activity? Not this person's got to say I'm great, you know. Great. Nice. Yeah. We can pass the mic around, have it ready for other people so if uh, um, we want to speak. Just simply it hurts. It hurts. Clinging it hurts. hurts. Cling. You know, it, it hurts. Uh, the heart tightens and um, contracts and the uh -huh. muscles contract and it, clinging just hurts. Uh -huh. Thank you. Um, I was just going to mention the just simple um, peace that I miss when I'm clinging. Just the peace in the... Well, even if it's not peace, just being present. Just the openness and, and joy of just being in the present. So it's hard to be uh, present if we're clinging. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
And it's hard to be present in an open way to all the different things going on and all the people. If we're being clinging means we're fixated also, and so there's not much open awareness. Someone else? Yes? When I cling to a thought, then I don't see that either it's my view is not correct or that it's changed. So I can't see the impermanence of mm. of whatever. Maybe we're clinging to something that was true yesterday, but it's not true today. I was thinking about clinging to pleasant things, like where I tend to... I had all the thoughts about the, the tension and anxiety of clinging, but I was also thinking about laying in bed this morning, knowing I wanted to come here, and sort of this... And this happens to me a lot, clinging to just wanting to sleep or to to pleasant things. And it's a different sensation than the anxiety um, and the rumination, but it's it's still a clinging to... And I think the consequence of it is is what I've noticed is a numbness or just a softness or a not being here, a cloudiness. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, the seduction of the pleasant and pleasure that uh, it can be a lot of clinging to it or a lot of leaning and holding on to it because it feels so good. But sometimes the, it's, in the long term, it's not very help, helpful for us. And we also might be missing out on some deeper connection to life. That's possible if we're not just pursuing pleasure. A deeper pleasure than pleasure. In the idea of impermanence, I, um, the thing that's, that, that came to me was that of all the energy you spend clinging, you know, it doesn't work. I mean, things go, they leave, they change. <laughs> and so um, there's a sense of loss that is painful uh-huh. because over and over again you learn that it doesn't work. <laughs> so the, the Zen master Suzuki Roshi said this, something like, uh, renunciation is accepting that things go. So it's great. So um, one of the one, one, why this question is one reason why this question is important is that it's possible to cling to healthy things. So, uh, for example, it's good to eat healthy food and have exercise, and so it seems like it's a healthy thing. Yes, it is. But you can cling to it so much that no one wants to hang out with you because, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know you're just like so obsessed by this, you know. <laughs> and, um, or, you know, it's not really good for you because you're kind of becoming one-sided. So the fact that some, the, the, what we're clinging to is justified, it's a good thing, doesn't mean that clinging itself is justified. So it's possible to let go of clinging without letting go of the thing that we're holding on to. So... It's useful here at IMC for us to have a striker, bell striker, because the bell striker is much better to ring the bell with than if we just got a stick, you know. And, um, and so it's good to have it. But I could cling to the striker in a hold really tight like this, make a fist and really hold it tight. Or I can hold it like this. I can hold it with an open hand. Uh, having a striker doesn't require grasping and clutching it. I can hold it like this. 
So there are things which are appropriate to hold and to have, but we can hold it this way, with an open hand. It's resting in an open hand rather than holding on tight. So this movement of letting go is not always about letting go of something, but sometimes it's just simply letting go of the clinging to the thing. And sometimes it involves letting go of the thing. So if, if I feel like my status as a Dharma teacher in America is dependent on having the right kind of bell striker, and I'm not sure that a, you know, a red one is really what, you know, uh, could someone go out and uh, check the sign for that? Yeah, here, so someone's... Thank you. So um, someone can, uh, I forgot what I was saying, but so, um, there, uh, and so sometimes we just let go of the clinging and that's all we need to do, but we still keep the thing. And sometimes it seems appropriate to just let it go completely, drop it. So sometimes letting go means dropping it. Sometimes letting go means just releasing the clinging, but hold, keep holding it. And sometimes the wonderful word letting go, and expression letting go, uh, I, in my mind it implies um, that you're letting it go its way. <laughs> Everything wants to go. So you're letting it go its way. That's the, you know, so rather than kind of trying to make it, keep it from doing what it needs to do. So the wisdom of clinging, understanding that. And so that means that if you come across a really good bout of clinging to something and you can't let go, you get to study clinging. You get to uh, get curious and discover the shortcomings and the unpleasantness and really undertake, take the time to get to know it. And don't be disappointed or discouraged. You can't let go of something you feel you should let go of. But use it as opportunity to study and become an expert at what, what this whole phenomenon of clinging is like. What's it like in the heart, in the mind, in the body, and emotionally, in the thoughts? You know, what's going on? What's that about? And uh, because the more you can understand it, all the different dimensions of it, the, more under, uh, the easier it is to know when and how to let go when it's appropriate to let go. Yes? Question. If, if you wait for the mic. Is it on? Yeah. Okay. Um, I agree with everything that people have said here about clinging uh, being very painful. What I find difficult, in addition to that, is what about when you, uh, like I'm the object of somebody's clinging. <laughs> I find this very difficult. How yes. to get the space to deal with? Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> so you know. So then you have to have your wisdom to know how to respond to that and hopefully you have wise ways of responding to that and talking to the person or explaining this doesn't work or have ways of stepping away and so it doesn't happen. In the ideal world, we have the ability to converse with people and tell people what's going on and, and be honest with them and say, this, this is getting to be too much for me or I feel like I'm kind of hemmed in here. And, um, and if they're a good friend, hopefully they're willing to 
hear you and be respectful of that and take your Im- the impact on you in- into account. And if they, ca- if they can't take you into account and, you, and, uh, and you know, your feelings don't count enough, then that tells you something about the friendship. And sometimes we let go of our friends if, it's, if it just doesn't work. Okay, so this was all kind of building up to a little exercise, a um, little kind of exploration of letting go or renunciation. <coughs> and that is, uh, uh, I'd like you to uh, pair up with someone in a moment and do what's called a repeating question exercise. And that is that one of you, everyone will have the same question. So. So, and one of you will be the questioner, and one of you will be the answerer, and then we'll switch roles. And when you have, when you're the questioner, you simply, your job is to ask the question, listen to the person as they respond to it. When they've finished responding, say thank you. The thank you is very important. And then ask the same question again. They respond, thank you, you ask again. And this is one of the few times where you're allowed to say the same thing over and over again. You know, just repeat yourself. Yes, ask the question, ask the question. And the, for the questioner, the idea is being asked the same question over and over again is that maybe at the beginning, um, the easy answers come or the things pop up. But as you keep hearing the question again, you're not, you're not going to say the same answer over and over again. You're going to keep exploring new areas and new ideas and maybe stretch yourself or be surprised or go get quieter or go deeper and oh yeah that also or oh here I can imagine that too oh that's a whole whole other area I hadn't thought about that this applies to and so you kind of start exploring things you wouldn't normally think about or new dimensions and and by keeping it going and being consistent with it you don't have to when you respond you don't have to respond you know this is not true confessions so you don't have to say anything you're uncomfortable saying Uh, you could say it shorthand you could say it in and you know you could say it in cryptic ways or you could also say um, uh, you know uh, someone asks you and you can say oh um, yes but I don't feel like saying it and that person says thank you and ask the question again and then some you know something else comes up for you so just so you feel you know comfortable and with what comes up and um, and the question is what would be useful for you to renounce. And if the word renounce seems like too big for you, you can hear it as letting go. But the question should be, uh, what would be useful for you to renounce? And the, the idea of being useful is a very important part of this. But what would be useful for you to renounce? S- any questions about that? So uh, each person will do it for about probably six, seven minutes. And, uh, and um, sometimes what happens is that, again, the, the easy things come up first, and then uh, sometimes people get very quiet and contemplative, and it might even take a while. You sit quietly and wait, wait for something to come up, or, you know, so whatever way it, you, you, you are with this question and is fine. And your partner who's asking the question is just a witness for your process. And then at some point I'll ring a bell, we'll take a few seconds to be quiet and meditate and then uh, refresh and then uh, switch gears. Okay?
So why don't you partner up, and if we're, it turns out that we're an odd number here, uh, why don't uh, the extra person come up to me, and then we'll find a group that you, we'll do it in a group of three.